Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher episode 55 and today we're going to be looking at Jesus' teaching on prayer. And what's really interesting is that when Jesus is asked by one of his students to give a teaching on prayer, he spends half of the time emphasizing what God is like. Isn't that interesting? From Jesus' perspective, the most important thing, the most important aspect of prayer is knowing what kind of a God you're actually talking to. Because from Jesus' perspective, how we view God affects whether we pray or not. Like, for example, if we don't pray, it's probably because we're not really sure what God is like. I mean, what's the point, right? I read an interesting uh, illustration last week about a guy called John Kavna, and he was a famous ethicist who went to Mother Teresa's house of the dying in Calcutta. And Kavna was seeking a clear answer how to spend the rest of his life. He's at this crossroads and he went over to India for three months and Mother Teresa asked him what she could do for him. And he said, well, I'd like, I'd like you to pray for me because I need clarity. I, I, I need to know what to do. And she said, no, I won't do that. Clarity is the last thing that you're clinging to and you have to learn how to let go of it. And Kavna observed that Mother Teresa always seemed to have a lot of clarity. She was absolutely sure what she was doing, and he just longed for this. And he mentioned to her, you know, but you seem to know what you're doing. You seem to have a lot of clarity. And Mother Teresa laughed, and she said, no, she's actually, I don't have clarity. I've never had clarity. She said, what I've always had is trust. That's what I have is trust. And so Mother Teresa said, I'm, I'm going to pray that you will trust God. The ability to trust God. That's what's needed. And in this teaching this morning, we're going to see Jesus saying very, very similar things. Before we can truly talk to God, before we can truly pray, we need to learn how to trust. Before we could release ourselves or our anxieties or our worries, well, you need to be able to trust, right? I mean, how can you talk to a God that you can't trust? It's impossible, isn't it? And many of us have questions about prayer, particularly when prayer doesn't appear to be answered. And so in this, in this chapter this morning of Luke 11, one of his students, his Jesus' students, asks Jesus for a specific teaching on how to pray. Now, they don't often ask for teachings on specific subjects, but in Luke 11, they, do, they must have some problem with prayer because they say, teach us how to pray. John the Baptist teaches his students how to pray. Jesus teaches us how to pray. Now, it's not as though that these students, these disciples had never, ever prayed before. They're all good Jewish boys brought up in the Jewish faith, and from childhood, they had been taught their prayers. But like many of us, they must have felt that something was missing. They must have felt that somehow their, their understanding of prayer was inadequate in some way. 
because they have a lot of questions. And so this request is given to Jesus. And Jesus uh, answers them. He gives them a model for prayer. And it's interesting to note that the first thing Jesus wants the disciples and us to know is who we are praying to. And he starts off by saying, okay, this is the teaching. You want to know about pray, prayer? When you pray, say, Father. Now, he's going to start to give them what we've come to know, be known as the Lord's Prayer, or in some traditions it's called Our Father. This is where this, is where this uh, text is going. But he begins his teaching on prayer, and he says it's like uh, when you start to talk to God, when you think about God, when you pray, say, say, Father. And it's like he starts off the teaching by saying the first thing you need to understand about prayer is who you're talking to and what this God is like. Because how you, however you think of God is going to profoundly affect how you talk to God or if you talk to God at all. When you pray, say, Father. Very important. When you pray, say, Father. Now, this, this is the whole idea of, and we're talking about a good father here, so we're talking about someone that you can trust. It's actually the same thing happens with people. You'll never be able to talk to people unless you trust people, right? If you don't feel comfortable with someone, your conversation isn't going to go very deep. If you're wary of someone or if someone has hurt you, you're going to be very guarded in your approach, and rightly so. If you don't trust someone, you're going to be very careful what you say. You're going to be very careful what you share. In fact, if you're not sure about someone, you might not really want to spend much time with them at all, which is fine, right? Now, the same is true when we think about talking to God. If we think that God isn't interested in our petty concerns or if you're like, well, I don't even know if God likes me, or, well, I'm pretty sure I'm not forgiven, or I'll never forgive God for whatever, these types of things all affect prayer. If you think, what's the point? God's just, I mean, this energy that holds it all together, you know, it's, what does God care about me? You're not going to be you're not going to be talking to God. So the first thing that Jesus does is he says, okay, you want to learn about prayer? When you pray, say Father. Meaning, what is God like? God's like the ideal Father. Can you imagine what the ideal Father would be like? Now, some of us can imagine this really easily because we had ideal fathers. But a lot of us didn't. So we can get stuck on this. And so if you didn't have the ideal father, then you have to use your imagination. And you have to think about what you what you would have liked. Now, even in Jesus' day, not every father was good. Right? I mean, there's a lot of deadbeat dads in Jesus' day, and there's a lot of deadbeat dads now, right? And Jesus would have known this. 
There's plenty no good fathers in Jesus' day. But nonetheless, he liked this image of a parent. He liked to use the image of a parent because parenting, good parents, good fathers, it reflects intimacy, closeness, safety, accessibility. A good father isn't violent. A good father isn't overbearing. A good father is supportive. A good father is caring. A good father is responsive. All these things, this is a good father. A good father provides. A good father has unchanging love. A good father protects. You know, just in the one name, just in the one image of father, we have all of that in that one name. Now, again, I know from uh, many people telling me this over the years that they have difficulty relating to this idea of our father because they just people just don't connect. Many times people don't connect compassion and support and accessibility with the word father. And that's fine. I mean, you can you can exchange it for mother also, but for many people that doesn't work either because they've got issues with their mother, right? So if, if the pain image doesn't work, there's other ways to get at the heart of this. And actually, in this passage, Jesus gives a second example. He says, when you pray, say, Father. And then he goes on and he gives another example. He uses another relationship that we're all familiar with. And then he extends this to God. This time, in verse 5, he says, how about God being like a friend. So first he uses the image of father, and then he uses the image of friend. Just in case we can't get our arms around the idea of a good father or a good mother, then he goes, okay, how about imagining this? A friend. Let me give you a parable about a friend, and then he goes on to give this little parable. Here's the story. Here's the parable. He loved parables. Can you relate to having a best friend? Oh, yeah, we can think, yeah, maybe, maybe some of us can. Maybe some of us married our best friend, right? Maybe we're partnered to our best friend. Someone who knows you. Someone that you can tell anything to. They've stood by you through good times, through hard times. Can you relate to that, Jesus? Yes, yes, I can relate to it. Okay. Imagine this. This is what God is like. Verse 9, here's the parable. A friend goes to another friend's house at midnight. Midnight, okay, completely inconvenient. Lend me three loaves of bread. I have guests. I have run out. The one inside the house shouts down, it's midnight. It's midnight. The kids are sleeping. Come back later. But the friend persists. Please, please, get up. I need three loaves. Come on, come on, come on. The one inside, half asleep, says, okay, okay, okay. And he gets up and he gives his friend what he needs. There's the parable. Now, this is what theologian Bill Loader calls a theology of reasonableness. And the argument works this way, because this is a little bit of logic here. Everybody knows his friend 
is going to get up at midnight and help, even if it's completely inconvenient. Everybody knows you're not going to let your friend go away empty-handed. Even if you're irritated, even if it's inconvenient, you're going to help. Everybody knows something about compassion. Everybody knows even a little bit of something about compassion. Now Jesus is saying, why can't you think of God like that? Why can't you put the very best construction on God? Because you do it for people. You know he's going to get up at midnight and give his friend the bread. Because they're friends. Why do you have difficulty thinking of God as your friend? Why, why do we have difficulty thinking of God as caring and compassionate and like a good friend? Why is that? You, implicit, this is what Jesus is asking. A disaster happens. Why did God let that happen? A friend dies. Why didn't God do something, heal her? Why do the innocent suffer? Why is there so much violence in this world? God doesn't care. See, Jesus is asking, why do you think the worst? Why do you think the worst? What is that? in human nature that seems to think the very worst. There's a great line in the, in the book, The Shack, and the main character, Mac, is speaking to Papa, who is the God figure. And Papa says, Mac, you're trying to make sense of your world. The real flaw in your life is that you don't think that I'm good. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is getting at here. Prayer is a trust builder. Jesus goes on to say in verse 11, look, if your child asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? Of course you wouldn't do that. If your kid asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? No, you wouldn't. Why would God be any different? Why would God be any different? Why in the world would God withhold good things from you. Why would that be? See, it seems as though people have a tendency, this is humanity overall, we, we have a tendency toward blaming God when life is, is difficult. And again, it's like God, God's withholding something good. God's withholding something from me. He's holding out on me. God's holding out. Or oh, if my life is good and works fulfilling and I'm successful in the way that I perceive success and I'm happy and my home life is happy, well, that's God's good. It's all good. But if life's a struggle and my desires go unanswered, then oftentimes people question God's care, God's goodness, God's good intention. God doesn't care. Or even worse than that, God's punishing me. Or God's holding out on me. And then sometimes people will say things like, well, maybe I have to do something to sort of get in with God so, that I, so we can end up bar bargaining with God, which is really a, a strange thing to do, isn't it, when you think about it? I mean, what could we possibly bargain with? What could we do 
that God would ever need. You know, bargaining makes no sense, does it? It's like, well, what can I do? Maybe I could read the Bible or maybe help people or pray or go to church. Yeah, maybe I could give money and then and then God would answer me in some way. Jesus is saying, is that the way you think about God? That God would be that changeable? God's love is totally unconditional. There's nothing you can do to affect that one way or another. Yeah? Jesus said, if, you're, if your own child asks for an egg, an egg would, you, would you give him a scorpion? No, you wouldn't do that. Why? Because you love your children. Even we know how to love. And God is the author of love. So just because the answer is no or nothing's changed in our life, Jesus is saying that has absolutely nothing to do with God's care for you. Now, this is the piece. This is the hard part in a way because this is the piece that, that we have to learn how to trust. I mean, it's like Kavna, you know. He thought he needed clarity, and Mother Teresa said, no, that's just another way to control. What you need is to learn how to not be in control, right? I think that's really what prayer is. It's about learning that we're not in control. And it's about learning how to trust when we realize we're not in control. I don't think that prayer is primarily about getting things we want. I think that's secondary. Now, none of this is easy because the default is to seize control, right? No matter what. That's our default. That's what we always go back to. We're always trying to seize control as, as though our lives depend on it. And so this is a struggle for us to learn how to trust. So Jesus is saying, no, when you pray, you're praying to a good father, a God like a good father. When, when you're praying, when you're talking to God, you're talking to someone who, like a best friend who's there for you. Prayer is about trust. Prayer is about trust. And if you think about the Lord's Prayer, and, or in some traditions it's called the Our Father, we've come to call it the Lord's Prayer, but that's, the whole thing is all about trust. You know, we, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray um, for our daily bread. Well, that's all about provision, isn't it? Give us this day our daily bread. That's all about God uh, provide for me today. And it's not about getting provision for a year from now or five years from now. Because God never works that way. We never get provision in advance. It's like one moment at a time. You have this day and you have this moment. I will provide for you. Well, what about next week? Well, what about in one year's time? What about when this happens? No, no, we're not even going to go there. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily moment by moment thing. It has to be that way. It's hard because I know we, we, want, we want sort of guarantees for the future and, and there's no promise of that. Or, for example, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, um, forgive us our, our debts, as, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who uh, sin against us. 
What's that? That's all about learning to live without resentment. Forgiveness is all about learning to live without resentment. And when we struggle with unforgiveness, you know, when we can't forgive someone, basically what we're doing is we're living in the past. That's what we're doing. Now, Jesus would say, uh, that's not abundant life. It's not abundant life to be living in the past. So forgiveness is all about living without resentment. That's part of the Lord's Prayer. Same with save us from the time of trial. What does that mean? Well, that's all about when life is difficult, it's like, God, give me, give me strength. Keep me strong. Keep me strong. That's what that's about. The ability to keep going when life is hard. The whole prayer, the whole Lord's Prayer is all about learning to trust. It's the lifelong task. God, help me, help me learn how to trust you. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Because it's when we trust, it's when we trust, we know that we're not struggling through problems and challenges and dilemmas alone. Teach us to pray. Yeah, it's all about learning how to let go and trust. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.